Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, Happy Monday to you. Made it through the weekend. I had a really good one. I'm feeling great today. I hope you're feeling good too. Um, You know though, everyone's not really feeling that good right now. I have been um, reached out to by hundreds and hundreds of people since my Joe Rogan appearance. And just telling me how me talking about my depression has helped them so much. And of course, I always... um, hear from you guys because I talk about it even in more depth on here about it and you guys have kind of if you've been listening to the show long enough um even if you've been listening to the show for like three weeks uh you've been through it with me and and I've gotten a lot of feedback from you and it always makes me feel so good but man the windfall I've gotten from the Rogan appearance of just people saying that um it made them feel less alone they felt suicidal ideations they felt feelings of worthlessness like i I don't even remember what i said on his show and i'm reluctant to go back and watch because i don't like to watch myself but um whatever i said really resonated and let me just tell you all if you related to me or have ever related to me about depression there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of us everyone's going through it i heard from so many friends who are going through it that i didn't even know about I have so many friends who are getting on antidepressants right now and it's not because they heard I was getting on them and they kind of reached out to me being like, Hey, I heard you talking about it. And like, it's so weird. I just got on something too. I'm going to pick it up now. I talked to someone yesterday who's like, I'm on my way to pick something up as I'm listening to your Rogan about getting on meds. So, um, I just want to put it out there that, um, we're all not alone on this. Like it's, it, I mean, the world is burning right now. There's two hurricanes coming at us. The fires are like the second worst fire, like fires ever um, in California. And unless you're like reading about it, you can kind of forget about it. But like the world's kind of like ending around us and it's it's really scary. I'm just trying to practice gratitude every day that everyone I know and love is safe. And um, and that my biggest concern some days are like, what car am I going to buy? Like what a fucking gift that that is what's stressing me out. Where am I going to move? Like, oh no, am I going to remember my jokes for my tour? Like what great problems to have in perspective to, um, uh, you know, just fucking Beirut for, for God's sake. Remember Beirut happening a couple weeks ago? We don't talk about that anymore. Is it, did they just sweep it all up and everything's fine? Of course not. It's still awful over there. It's just so fun. There's so many calamities worldwide that we can quickly move from one to the next and just forget. Like the Australian brush fires. I was joking about that in March, how like we just like slapped a Band-Aid on a koala and called it a dye. And like literally it's just like was the was the end of the world du jour. You know, like every day there's a new thing to, to freak out about. So there's no it's no wonder we're all freaking depressed right now. Um I haven't got on meds yet. I just want to give you an update of that. I am going to be very soon. I have an appointment on Wednesday. Um, I haven't gotten my ADHD test back yet either. I guess it takes two weeks to process that, but I didn't even talk to you about my, what was like going in there. So I go to this office. I, I'm, I paid $1,100 to get tested for this, by the way, and it is not covered by insurance. So like, I'm, I really want this diagnosis. <laughs> Or I want to just be in the clear. Although if they give, if they tell me I don't have ADHD, I'm so convinced I have it. I will go see someone else because 
I, I feel like the test was a little skewed towards men, which ADHD, that's why it's so often misdiagnosed in women is because the tests are for boys uh, because science can often be very sexist as you know, you should know. But the thing is women with ADHD, this is my theory. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think women have the hyperactivity as much, you know, bouncing off the walls. Maybe it has something to do with our hormones or our just like disposition as women who are like, you know, more sensitive beings. But I think it has something to do with the fact that boys are allowed to be running around a classroom kind of crazily. And like teachers kind of roll their eyes and are like, Oh, Jonathan, will you please sit down? And it's, it's like, it's not as shameful, but if like a girl's running all over the place, like you, it's, it's, you get yelled at more as a girl. I think that girls are more punished, at least for me, may, I, I don't relate to wanting to run around, but it wasn't even an option to run around. I wanted to be invisible in class when I was young. I just didn't want, I didn't want boys to tease me. I didn't want anyone to make fun. Like I just, I wanted to float by under the radar my entire, uh, pre-adolescence and post-adolescence, really. Until I started doing comedy, I just wanted to be invisible, I think. And so I would have to suppress any uh, hyperactivity I had because I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to get in trouble. Um, so I haven't gotten the results back. It's going to take a bit, but if I don't get the results I want, I will go somewhere else. I will se seek a second opinion because I just, I've done all the research. People keep sending me other things I could be. People are like, are you sure you're not bipolar? Are you sure you're not um, borderline? Are you sure you don't have um, uh, a pebble in your shoe? Are you sure that, um, you know, it's, it, is it because you're living with your parents? I mean, there's, there's so many different things. I, and I, I keep taking all these tests. Like, am I bipolar? Am I borderline? None of them have resonated as much as the ADHD test. So I, I really do think this could be um, the solution for me. So when that comes back, I'll let you know what they say. This weekend was um, good for me. I had a lot of time alone. Um, my parents went to the cabin to, um, I call it the fucking cabin. Like, it sounds like I'm being like, oh, the fucking cabin. But I call it the fucking cabin because that's what they do there. Um, and they left me alone, which was fun. I, um, I had a really good Friday night. They, let, they were at the cabin on Saturday night. But Friday night, my mom went to bed early. And my dad and I stayed up. And I had gotten home from doing a set at the Funny Bone I did two sets last night on Saturday and um, I've been doing sets a lot and it feels almost like back to normal, but I got home from a set and I watched um, my dad wanted to stay up and like he, I think ate an edible. So he was like in the mood to like hang out and like chill. And so we watched uh, the movie. It's complicated. The Nancy Myers, Meyer Myers movie. Um, and I'd never seen it, even though I know that I love her stuff and it would probably be one of my favorite movies because I love Alec Baldwin and I love Steve Martin and Meryl Streep. I've always been like, oh, she's fine, but she was fantastic in this. It's a great movie. I know you've probably seen it. There's definitely obnoxious parts about it. Um, like the kids are all really annoying. Like my sister and I were talking about the movie today and we're like, the kids are so just like over the top, like saccharine and like, just like mom and dad, like they're just... I just take this part out. Okay. So, um, I saw, so I, I loved it. I thought it was like so fun, such a fun little comedy romp. Um, and I know that everyone always talks about like Nancy Meyers kitchens and everything, but it's just like, there's something about the cinematography of her movies that is just so delightful. Alec Baldwin is so phenomenal in this. And, um, and Meryl Streep is just like doing her thing the whole movie, which is just like, oh, 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 
oh, oh, and just playing with her hair. And, and I did feel good because Meryl Streep and I have like the same hair consistency right now. Like hers looks about as thin as mine. And I'm like, she's making it work. So I felt like I was literally like, yes, I have the same hair as Meryl, hair as Meryl Streep. And like Alec Baldwin wants to fuck her. So I'm in the clear. Like that was what was going through my mind as I watched it. It was really cute though. I think I'll always remember watching It's Complicated with my dad, even though we didn't finish it because we both got tired. Um, but he was just so, he was telling me about a scene that we, we stopped the movie because we wanted to go to bed. But him describing an upcoming scene to me and him like crying, laughing again, a little bit of an edible in his system, but he was laughing so hard about the scene where Steve Martin is on Skype with Meryl Streep and then Meryl Streep goes to the bathroom and leaves the computer on the bed. And then Alec Baldwin comes in and like strips down naked and like poses on the bed waiting for her. And he puts the laptop in front of his penis so that when she walks in, he like is, you know, just covered right there. But little does he know, Steve Martin's like camera is facing it. And it's, my dad was describing the scene and like laughing so hard. It was so cute. And then he was talking about Steve Martin's sense of humor. And then we started pulling up old Johnny Carson clips of Steve Martin and then if, you know, one thing led to another, I mean, you never want to use that phrase when you're talking about hanging out with your dad. And then one thing led to another, um, but it did. And then we were watching Rodney Dangerfield and I was just like, fucking yes. I love these old, uh, like Steve Martin's old stuff didn't really resonate with me. I think it was like in the time it was really, really funny. And he's obviously a wacky wild guy or whatever. And I, I've always appreciated him, especially like, um, you know, when he was, I, I first fell in love with Steve Martin and, uh, What's that wedding movie? Father of the Bride. So good. But um, Rodney Dangerfield, so many good jokes. And, and it reminded me of Hedberg a lot. So I pulled up Hedberg, Mitch Hedberg, which my dad knows of, but didn't like really know. And boy, was that freaking fun. Just watching my dad watch Mitch Hedberg. We were laughing so hard. We, we originally turned off the movie to go to bed and then we stayed up another hour just watching comedy clips. And I'm just rediscovering a real love of stand up and like joke writing and it's just triggered something in my brain that has, it's like me in 2004, three, four, five, when I didn't really know who I was as a comedian, I would just talk about like, I would just like write jokes like Hedberg. All I would do is read Hedberg jokes, read Sarah Silverman's jokes. Like I was always reading jokes um, and just trying to figure out structure and just all I wanted to do is write, you know, switcheroonies, you know, jokes like um, the one joke that I remember from my childhood where my dad was watching uh, Wendy Liebman on The Tonight Show. And she had a joke where she goes, so you guys, I just quit smoking, crack. And, and, and that was it. But it was just such a perfect little misdirect. And I, oh, I've always just tried to write jokes like that, which a lot of my act is still that, where I still actually reveal, I can talk and tell stories about myself, but actually have jokes like that. But um, I don't know, man, something switched in my brain recently and I'm back to writing jokes like that. And I'm having so much fun with it. It's a more arduous process because to write an entire bit, like I've been, I've been jealous of Mitch Hedberg because I'm like, oh my God, he just, he never had bits. He just would jump from one joke to the next and like could sustain an hour of just non sequiturs. But for me, I feel like uh, writing a, it's, I just might get back into one-liners. I don't know. My next album, who, could, who it could just be all one-liners. I want to challenge myself because there is such a fun, fine art to it. And at some point you just, for me, I've been like, oh, they've all been done, but I'm still finding ways to crack jokes open. And I was thinking if Mitch Hedberg was still alive, if he lived past 2003, he would still be writing jokes. So there's jokes that he would have written that haven't been written that maybe I could crack because they're sitting right there. They're just words you need to find a way to put together in an order. 
So for instance, like, I, I don't even want to tell you the jokes I wrote yesterday because I'm developing an act, but I've, I've been like on a roll writing one-liners and it's really freaking fun. Um, I've been going up at the funny bone, like I said, every night this week. And one of my favorite local comics, um, one of my best friends, uh, when I, I lived back home here in St. Louis between 2009 and 2010 and before I moved to New York, I was in LA before that came here for a pit stop. I was going to be here for like a month and then I stayed for a year and a half, which is kind of repeating itself as we speak. But in that time, I developed a really close friendship with my friend, Sean O'Brien. And he is, he works at the Funny Bone. He's a bartender there that, you know, they were shut down since from March until July, they just opened. And now I'm going up there again. I'm getting to see him a lot. And um, he, he actually came out to LA or to New York two years ago, last year, and was on my radio show, You Up. I flew him out because I got, um, I got to go to see U2 at, uh, where was it? The Apollo. U2, the band, and it's his favorite band. So I flew him to New York and he slept on my couch and we went to see U2 and it was so much fun. But I was just thinking, um, I got a lot of feedback that people really enjoyed listening to me with Rogan. People who listened to the podcast were like, oh, it was fun to hear you like interacting with someone again. And I know that I had Anya on the show last week and Noah was on as well. I want to incorporate more people again and because um, this is kind of how I socialize. So uh, when we get back, I'm going to sit down with my friend, Sean O'Brien. He's coming over. He's in the kitchen right now talking to my dad. I think he just arrived. My dad is wearing his shirt. He's, by the way, he doesn't just work at the Funny Bone. He is a comedian. Um, he, he bartends there, but he's so freaking funny. And um, we just have a lot of stories and a lot of history. And uh, we're just becoming friends again after like years of, you know, you know, it's been since 2010 that we were hanging out all the time, but uh, I'm excited to have him on the show. I think he's going to be a regular uh, for however long I stay in St. Louis, but my dad's wearing his shirt, the Sean O'Brien shirt he bought because Sean works the road and sells merch. And it's like the shirt that says Sean O'Brien's name. My dad put it on because he was so excited Sean was coming over. And so they're in the kitchen right now catching up. I promised my parents that Sean would wear a mask inside. And it's just so funny when I used to want to have people over for the podcast, like in March or April, it would be this huge ordeal with my parents. Like they didn't want anyone in the house. Even getting Andrew to stay here in July was kind of like I had to get permission. But now things are just like every day this thing changes. And I, as long as he has a mask inside, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, I've been performing every night at the club with a mask on. I've tested negative for COVID twice um, since doing these shows. I feel really safe as long as you just, just wear a mask inside. That's all you got to do. We'll talk about all of this and more with Sean O'Brien when we get back. Uh, stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I am joined by uh, my friend who I already teased. And I, I, te I teased meaning like I set you up, not that I was like made fun of you. Oh, well, But no, I could do that too. No, you should. Yeah. I, like I, mean, I think it's fun taking bullets. I like yeah, it. you, you take a lot of them. Then they're like, if you take the shit, then nobody really hammers you that hard. Yeah, that's a you, you think so? I do. And that's why I love the shit on myself. One, just because I really don't love myself. But two, if I, <laughs> if I hammer myself that hard, then people are like, well, fuck, he beat me. He beat that's me to really it. That's a good point. I think that so, is why I tend to do it too. Because people always go, oh, we, we love the way you are so self-deprecating on stage. Or like, I, I often get told I'm self-deprecating and I don't even notice I'm doing it. But I'm like, right. oh, it's just such a defense mechanism. So I beat you to right. it. Right, right. Um, I'm talking with Sean O'Brien, who is one of my 
best friends who uh, moved to St. Louis. What year? Did, like 2006. January 106. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, six, man. You've been here a while. Yeah, yeah. And then we became close in 2009, I think, is when I moved back. Maybe we met before then. We probably met before that, yeah, because I started in 08. And, mm-hmm. and you Doing were actually comedy. on my first open mic. I remember that. Right. And uh, Was that yeah. nice to you? Yeah, you were I great. Was? Really? That's the thing. I, was I always like, like when I people tell you... me of the first time they met me because I'm generally very nice to people when they're like, I remember you back then. I'm like, oh, good. I was nice. Like, I've, I've, it's been rare that I've disappointed myself and been like a, a cunt to someone. No, um, you, 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 were, you were always kind. In fact, I remember, what's his name? Jeff Wetzel, that he was an asshole. Yeah, my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. He yeah. was an asshole too. And I remember I was like, I'm going to fight this guy. And I don't fight. I was like, and I'd probably lose just because I'm not, I'm not a fighter anyways, but he was just a bully to me. Yeah. And some people can be, why? I got really fucking, like, I, it like took me back to fifth grade where I'm like, to this guy, Steve Orjaskowski, who would just fucking mess with me constantly. And I was like, I want to fight him, but I don't know how. What would he say? I remember he would just be like, oh, Brian, nice hair. I had like this dumb part in my hair and like this flip. It yeah. was pretty bad in fairness to in him. Fifth grade? He, yeah, he made a good point. Yeah. But he would, and he did this thing once where he just went up to my ear. And he he do this pop sound like this loud oh, just he's like hey Sean so I tell you something and I'm like oh okay and I just it was just this ooh sound I had for like an hour he would like and break your ear yeah yeah and I was really rad I never told oh, people and see, I was really rattled like, honestly like that's that's just flat out abusive yeah it was it was but Man. I was in denial of it and I was like just avoid him but his locker was right his, his last thing was was an O I'm an O and we were right next oh. to each other and I would just I'd see him Shit. I'd be like I'm not going to my locker. Oh, yeah. But then nobody else fucked with me. But this guy was just a fucking problem. And to this day, if I if I ever saw that kid, I'd be like, "You're a piece of shit." I would definitely love him to have it. Wait, do we do we know where he is? I have no idea. He could be dead. And I hope well, he is. You should, I really have do. Have you never been tempted to look up your fifth grade bully? No, he's got a weird name. last name. It's like some like exactly. I don't know even how to spell it. So oh, okay. that's what I'm saying. Like I don't even know how to put it in right. Okay, well that's the but problem that with really girl bullies me. in high school or in like um when you're growing up. When you're it's the problem with being a girl in general when you're trying to find someone from your past. Um, wait, sorry, bring the mic closer to you. Okay. Um, that's the problem with being a girl is that oftentimes you, uh, Noah, should we start over? No, no, just keep going. Okay. Um, you can't find girls from your past because they get married and they change their names. And so they don't, that's the problem with this. Like when you get married as a woman, you completely kiss who you were before goodbye and no one, you could become a missing person essentially. Like sure. you, you can start over. I mean, there's something kind of cool about it. You can just like completely, no one can find you. You can reinvent yourself, but there is something sad about like, you can't track down anyone that you, any girl you knew but in middle school because they're all fucking married now. Like I can't even right. find girls. I was like maybe friends with, I was thinking about looking up some girls from my past just to like, maybe get some friends in St. Louis. And I'm like, well, they all have, you know, weird ass names now. And, right. and so I can't find them, but you, you got to find this kid. It is very interesting though, that yeah. Um, the, the bullying thing, like no one else fucked with you except this one, Just one guy. Kid. And I remember his face. He had a hoop earring. Ew. I could per- like picture him clear as day. He had bad parents that they let ago. him get a hoop earring in fifth grade. I mean, exactly. I guess my parents let me get my ears pierced when I was in third yeah. grade, but like having a hoop, I mean, Anyone who bullies like that is dealing with a lot of shit. So you right. can all, you gotta find some place in your heart a little bit to be like, wonder what he was going through. You do, home. and then you wonder today. Maybe the kid's just a good egg. Maybe he now he's just like some solid guy. I and doubt then, it. Because I was kind of a piece of shit to kids in high school. I wasn't a bully, but I was kind of I would kind of like be part of the mob mentality. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck him. But I wouldn't like be mean to him. But I, I wouldn't defend him. And I have a lot of regret about that. Because like, I, like, I know that feeling. And that's what I was kind of getting with Jeff. And we're, we were fine. We, we made up. My ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, hey, I'm going to fight you. 
Like, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. And if I go to jail, you punch back. We'll just deal with what happens. Yeah. And he's like, no, Brian. Yeah, he he used to call you no, Brian. Yeah, Yeah, that was my first boyfriend was who you're referring to um, was, uh, yeah, I, I I became romantically involved with him. I guess in um, 08 to 09. Yeah, like in 08 was when we that first like, got together. Yeah, yeah. He was my first, it was 24 and I was like so excited that I just had a boyfriend. And then it turns out he was- um, well, That was yeah. baffling. I, I'll still never get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love you. I really do. But I was almost angry, not in a jealous way, but just like, right. this, why? I was wondering if he was going to move back here from New York. I think he's doing all right. He wrote for me for a lot of the, ro- like all of the roasts. Essentially. Oh, did he? Yeah. He, like, and he wrote some of my like favorite jokes. Um, he's That's why I fell for him is he was like a brilliant joke writer, as you know, like he's just so funny. And there's no even the guys yeah. on in the New York scene who like knew him later on were just like, he's, he's, he's like king of like open mics and stuff. Right. But he, not saying that he was an open micer, but like he, Greg told just, me he would just be like, he'd walk in he was, like, and be like, dude, this guy's a machine. Yeah. Well, and, and everyone reveres his writing. So I think my attraction to him, which I know you didn't understand. And no. like uh, a lot of people did. It. um well first of all he just like made a a, a a real good move on me like he just like he was pretty aggressive with like sexually with me right. which you I like really that, right? I needed that at that moment I right. was just so I felt so stunted sexually and like with around boys which I still do I just I liked him and as soon as I decided I did I was like oh god I need this guy to like make a move and he just did I mean he was drunk that's why he was able to do it right and then once that happened it was off to the races but it was really because he was the best joke writer in town. And I was like, I want, I want to be around that. And I want that right. to want me because if he likes me, then clearly he, then I'm a good joke writer, even though guys don't really give a fuck about that. And which right. I came to realize later, like he did respect me comedically. I know that, but um, I just, there was something about wanting to be like the, like the cool comedy couple or um, yeah. And I just want, I just really am attracted to guys that I'm like, wow, he's so smart. And like, I don't know. I get like boners for guys when they're talented and you're like, and it wasn't just about him being, he wasn't like famous or anything. Cause sometimes people accuse me of being like a star fucker or like, Oh, just, I want it. He wasn't like, it was the open mic scene. So maybe he was right. like the, the most famous on the open mic scene, but mm. it wasn't about that. I really think I'm just attracted to like, br- when I see someone who just like blows me away in like brilliance, like I went through it like right. a fucking Bo Burnham like obsession back in like December. Oh, you, really? Do you know Bo Burnham? Of course, stuff? yeah, yeah. He's so fucking smart. Yeah. And like in the way and comedically smart that I like I understood when people say that they're sapiosexuals in terms like they get turned on by someone's intelligence. I was just sure. thought that was like you're just like don't you're gay. Right. If you have to say that you're like you're not attracted to women's boobs, you just like their brains. I'm like then I don't know. Right. It's just it, kind it of weird. It sounds surfacely horseshit. Yeah, it, it but, does. Yeah. But I get it. Like I think sometimes I can be really attracted to people's uh, talent, and I don't think it's maybe it's just because I want it, it, it validates me in some way if they like me, and so I'm trying to get them to like me because then it'll make me feel like I'm smart. But I think it's just like. That I'm just like, um, maybe, maybe it's biological. Maybe I want to make a baby with that smart guy because he's right. the smartest and in, in, then our kids will survive longer because they'll have survival skills. Like maybe it goes to some kind of cave woman impulse, but I don't right. know. No, it makes sense. I mean, if, yeah, if you're going to pull rank on someone in the terms of how they are with their career, I mean, you'd be lying if you said you don't find it a little attractive that that person is successful in what they're doing. Yes. You know, where... Yes. That's where I think comedy's so tough. When you go up and you eat shit in front of people that you respect and like, you're just like, oh. not only did I eat shit, I look like a fucking loser. <laughs> I really do. I just, I failed at something I shouldn't. Like the other night I was up 
and you popped in the and funny I bone. ate it hard. That is not true. No, I think Nick, you're fucking insane to no, say that because you're wrong. honestly, I would tell you if you ate shit. I have no, I have no reason to lie to you. It was, wasn't, I think it was it last really Sunday. It really bothers was, me when you do that because sometimes you will say something about yourself and I'll be like, well, that's just not true. And, and I've been there before where I just don't see myself clearly. You were so funny. And first of all, didn't you just learn that your mom was in the hospital like I did. seconds so before I, you walked on stage? In fairness to me, I did. I did. I like okay. literally just found out my so mom. So tell me how sick. that went down. Oh, it was crazy. I was texting my sister before the show, and my mom's, you know, long story, she's sick. She's in the hospital. She's okay now. She's but at the stable time, now. Yeah, yeah, she's at home. At the time, it was kind of rocky. Not like, COVID, though, right? They didn't know. Right, because so, it was kind of a lungy type yes, thing. Yes, yeah, she had blood in the lungs. She's Ugh. had a hard time breathing. She's 74. She's out of shape. She's bad health, Ugh. all that. So, which is my own fault because I shouldn't even fuck with my phone unless I'm just looking at my notes before I go mm. up. You know, but you can't, it's just there. You no can't one, have to get a message, no right? No one does that. No so, one turns off their phone before know, they're going exactly. up at, in that's front of thing. seven people at the fucking Westbrook. Right. And that, that's also what it was too. It was like eight people. Yeah, but, it was no one. Um, I just, I tried some new things and it was just eating shit. And my, my stupid style is I have half cooked ideas. I go up, I kind of riff on them. Either they land somewhat okay and I keep developing or they're just like, this guy's just yelling and saying fuck at the end. Um, nobody knows why. Sean, which is, that's comedy. Yeah. Can I just tell you? No. That's, that's what I do. That honestly is my, I promise you, that is my technique. Now, when I started out early on, I used to write jokes and really like try to work like in a notebook and like focus on the jokes themselves and where's the punchline, the setup and everything. But now I just do essentially that. I think that's just your style and that's like what serves you as a comedian. Instead of like beating yourself up about that being your style because it's not the same as, you know, the, some of the guys we hang out with in St. Louis who we look up to who like right. are very diligent about doing morning pages and like looking at joke pro jokes as like math problems, which I was just talking about earlier is how I kind of want to reapproach stand up. Um, but I, I tend to do the same thing. You just go up, you have like a, like maybe one half of a constant, like maybe one funny thought in your head that right. you know will get a laugh and then nothing else. And you just hope that if you talk enough, it'll like fill in on stage. Correct. And that's where people, if I have one gift, people are, I'll just be talking in regular conversation and someone like, Greg will be like, that's funny. Yeah, Put that Greg Warren. Yes. Greg Warren, I'm sorry. Greg yeah, Warren, local friend. comic Greg Warren. Correct. And he'll just be like, why isn't that in your And I'm like, I don't even know that's a bit. Like, well, that's, that's, that's where my brain doesn't connect to. Is you it? don't know or why you're just, funny. I don't even know that with that thing I just told you without even trying. I'm not trying to run a fucking joke on you. I'm just talking casually. And you're like, that needs to go in the act. That's where I'm trying to capture that by just doing that on stage. Being like, all right, just transfer. Like I'm talking to you organically. Yeah. Put that on stage right now. I and would. I, I clam up and I'm just like, oh, fuck. You know what I would do? And this is just me saying something that I should do more of. And this is truly it. It's like you need to tell everyone in your life that you talk to on a regular basis. If I ever say anything that you think is funny, tell me to write it down. Just do me a favor and say, write that down because right. you can always convince yourself not to write it down. Even though sometimes you get a good laugh with like socially, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, that was good. I'll remember it later. You'll never remember it. You're right. So tell people to tell you to write stuff down. And then, then you have tons of punchlines because you do talk in punchlines, dude. Like that's just, you're just like a funny person. That's right. just how you are. But I think that to, just to refine it a little bit is like, yeah, make sure the people in your life are, are on you about writing it down and actually do it. And don't say, yeah, yeah. Because as comics, a lot of times we'll go, I'll say to a comic, like, that's really good. You should write that down. And then we just kind of go, uh-huh. And then I go, yeah. no, no, no. Really write, write that down. Literally put it down. I have to do that phone. all the time. I did really? it to, yeah. Greg the other day. And now I'm, I'm making myself do it more because I can't just rely on getting up there and just being able to recreate those moments or like, 
I think it's just lazy to get yeah, up and guess, think you're going to figure it out up there. Where I'm confused you saying this is that maybe that was you in 10 years ago. But like when I see you go up, even on these scare shows, sometimes at the, at the funny bone, it seems like you're doing fine. Um, or am I, am I wrong in this? You're so wrong. Really? First of all, you didn't eat it the other night. The joke you were, that I walked in on was so funny about you with your dog at the park. Your giant oh, ass yeah, dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. My good mood. That had so many punchlines. I was like, right. honestly, that made me kind of look at, have to look at my notes again and be like, okay, well, I guess we're doing punchlines tonight right. with like tags. <laughs> so got to look and, and kind of not just wing it, Blazer. I mean, it really did. You, that was like a, a fully, that was a really good bit. What, um, what's going on with your dog? You got a big ass yeah, dog. Yeah, I got an English Mastiff Great Dane. Yeah, I mean, um, isn't that like the two biggest? It's breeds? like two. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, he's, yeah a, he's a heavy son of a bitch. Uh huh. He's great though. Yeah. How 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 heavy? Uh, he's one hundred and fifty five pounds. Jesus yeah. Christ! But I think he's done. Unless he just gets like fat, but he's done growing. Okay, so, yeah, because um, which I hope he stops because it's actually bad for dogs to be that big. <laughs> like it's like bad other joints and shit. He's got to take that's like the largest dog tumor. I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah, he's he's big. It maybe like one fifty, but okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's right around. He was at least one forty like you six months ago. Love so. him so freaking. I'm obsessed. Much. Yeah. In fact, this is how fucked up my head is. All I think about is him dying, mm -hmm. and then how I'm gonna be mm -hmm. when he dies, and I don't think I can. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I think about it, and then I cry mm -hmm. while he's fucking fine. He's on my bed. We're hanging out, and I just let my brain go run wild yeah. and I go down this path and in five minutes, I'm just in tears on my bed while nothing's wrong. I mean, are you depressed right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm in denial of it. Well, but, that doesn't sound like you are. You uh, just said yes. I mean, I'm in, I'm in denial. Like, here's my problem. I don't know. I'm more not depressed as in sad, except when I think about my dog dying, um, as I just don't care. Mm. Like there's this give up that is in my brain <sighs> that has been going a lot longer and hitting 40 really fucked with me yeah because then you're like now you start looking at your friends and i'm like i don't even care about the marriage shit like that never really bothered me but just the financial success is pretty minimal for me right now mm -hmm. and my drive is so down and now i'm just like maybe i should just go on medication like i want to <laughs> i want to be like something's wrong with me yeah like the what i don't want to hear is oh you're just lazy and you're not grinding no it's I, not it, and that's and, not the case sean i was just talking about this before you got here about how everyone i know right now is getting on medication including myself i'm getting on something really? on wednesday are you and i've been on stuff before and it just gives you a place to start from where you don't it gives you that like base where yeah. you can like it's not gonna make you happy overnight you need a little bit of help and, it, and, and it's not your fault like you aren't lazy there is something chemically going on in your brain that right. you can't help it's like a disease you, you know really, like, you really think that I 100% think that you have depression and that it's something that could be a, a lot of your pain and like could be uh, alleviated with a like an anti. Have you ever been on them before? No, I almost Dude, did. And I actually them. talked about it a few years ago and I was close. Yeah. And then I, I just talked my because I'm open to pills. Like I have no problem getting on a medication. Yeah, you but love in my pill. head, I was like, oh, you're just being a lazy fat shit. Like, no, see, that's the, that's that's the disease. Is. You're just being. You yeah, know, and that's where the denial of no, you know, maybe you are. I think that's like chemically. That means that um, you qualify to get on it if you're like yeah. your brain's coming up with ways to convince you that you don't deserve to be on it because it's an easy way out and actually you're just lazy. Like I have a lot of that too. It's like why I'm getting so excited about possibly having ADD is because uh, when I read the symptoms of it, like online, one of them was like. Uh, 
you have a messy room and like a messy locker, a messy desk. So like your stuff sure. is always oh, constantly yeah. a mess. You're always losing things. You're always forgetting things. And I, cr- I cried when I read that because I was like, oh my God, that's not just me being a fucking piece of lazy shit. Like I felt like my entire life, there right. could be something in my brain that's like, that's not my fault. Correct. And the truth is anything we're going through is not our fault. No right. one wants, you don't want to be depressed. You don't want to feel no. like you're lazy. You don't want to feel unmotivated. You didn't ask for any of these things. You're, you're not a piece of shit. It's like you're suffering with something that if you can get a little bit of a, a step up, like if you can get a little bit of a boost from something like um, an antidepressant, like I just think, I think, I love that you're open to it. And I honestly think you should call, like you should go this week. Like right. I think everyone right now should like, you suck it up, suck your pride up and like, do it. Just, just try it because you can right. go off it. I mean, it's, it, you know, it takes a little bit to wean off them and it might take a you a while careful, right? to find the right one. Yeah. But like, it's, it's, you don't try to white knuckle this. You've been trying to white knuckle it for fucking 20 years, probably right. feeling a little bit of, of this. Right. Do you still drink then. a lot? No, I quit basically. I you mean, did? I'm not saying like I quit is it I'll never drink again, yeah. but I've had between the pandemic and today, uh, I drank April 25th, which was my birthday, like three fucking beers or whatever. Okay. And that's it. Wow. So I didn't, I haven't drank really the last time I drank drank was probably like early February. Yeah. I, I haven't that's incredible. It. Which so, is so because I'm such an addict on so many things. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd have a hard time quitting booze just in the sense that it I was, might not it was be your thing as week. much as you thought it was. No, it's yeah. actually, it's not. And actually it was pretty easy for me. Mm, yeah. Then maybe I didn't even didn't, really have a problem. Like thing. stop drinking. Like I just don't drink anymore. And it yeah. didn't even occur to me that I'm like, Oh, you haven't had a drink in four months, huh. three months. I think that, yeah, there's that, that was it. Like that's the way it was for me with drinking. I mean, I had to read that book, the Alan Carr book Alan that Carr, I turn yeah. everyone on to. Right. And that really got me jump started to be like, I don't need to do this anymore. But I think, I don't know that I'm an alcoholic. I think that I could probably like have a beer and not, like end up in a gutter tomorrow but i just i don't think i have that like the the craving that people talk about when they have uh, alcoholism where they have one drink and then they just can't stop i have that with other substances in my life like with food and with um of starving myself like i can get addicted to those things and um but i think that with with like alcohol yeah i but thank god i'm not like drinking right now i couldn't oh god th- yeah, i think I that's terrible if right anything now. you should be proud of yourself for taking a step back from booze because it would be an easy thing to really indulge in during this time and that's not that you, you said it hasn't been hard but you had to make a choice to not drink right now right you could easily drink right now you work oh, in yeah. a bar yeah and so there's there's a part of you it sounds like to me that is motivated to to be doing something good for yourself for sure for sure well for me too it was just a physical feeling then it was the next day syndrome yeah. where the anxiety the anxiety from a hangover was unbearable right i mean i was shaky what would you just because from, you from what you said what you did no, like, or would you just think, think about bigger things just i just Overall, my whole body just felt like it just got hit by a truck the night before. Right. And I was just on edge and my heart would kind of race. Mm. And I knew that would happen. Every time I drank, I'd be like, all right, you're going to drink on Saturday, Sunday. Just stay in bed and watch TV because you're going to be sick. Yeah, you'd like Which, prepare for it. It's like, why even do this to yourself? This shit, so. Is it worth it? Yeah. I mean, that's the way I've been feeling about weed recently was like – you know, I've been using it a lot to just medicate in terms of like for depression because it instantly just lifts me out of it. A lot of a lot of the ways that like boozing would like it just like shuts a part of my brain off sure. that I, yeah. I it shuts off my feelings. And so, um, but with weed, I was just feeling like it, there was a, a hangover effect. Like as much as you don't get hungover from weed, as much as you do from alcohol, there was just 
I just don't think it's worth it anymore. The, yeah. the, the good does not outweigh the bad. And so I've eliminated that from my life. But when you start taking away those things, other things pop up and I think you just get more sad. So maybe not drinking as much has brought on your depression a bit more. You fucking nailed it. That's exactly what I was going to say is that that's what's fucked up about this is that this is when the sadness kind of kicked in mm. because I lost that escape for 10 hours a week yes. or whatever the time I was drunk. That's what you're doing. You're just escaping from your world when you're yeah. on drugs or alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So now I was like, oh shit, I'm in my head 24 seven. There's that, that, that escape's gone. Cause I don't smoke. Cause it and fucking makes me crazy. Yeah. So booze was like my one you know that. like vice. What do you do now though? And what are the thoughts you're having? Just like I'm I a just, piece of shit. I can't prove Yeah. Like my weight. Gonna... I mean, I have, I've been just, I mean, uh, open to the, uh, basically the reality that I have food addictions yeah, and that yeah. I am an overeater. Likewise. And, and I think many people listening, if not all <laughs> have right. food issues too. I mean, wait, literally... wait, 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 are you an overeater? Is what you're oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, um, I definitely have binge eating tendencies, really? but you wouldn't know because I then will on the other, I mean, I haven't starved myself or binged in, uh, like four or five months. I've, I've been like abstinent from those behaviors yeah. and it's, um, it's been like the, like those got really loud for me when I went into quarantine and like, and didn't couldn't keep myself busy with work because that's what I was like really getting off on was just like working all the time and and then suddenly I had all this time to eat and and pay attention more to my like food behaviors and it just was like I don't know about you but like I just like only was looking forward to eating and then when I was done I was just sad about how much I just ate so it was like being hungover afterwards and then the only time you get excited is like right before like it just starts having diminishing returns and and then when you're in between the food, you're just like miserable. You're either yeah. like anticipating it and nervous and like planning it too much and thinking about it too much, or you're coming off it and feeling like such a piece of shit for how much you just ate. Right. And so I would always follow up my binges. Well, I would just do, I was doing like intermittent fasting, which is right. just like fucking sure. adult anorexia. Yeah, yeah, and so I would just starve all day, eat a ton at night like all through the night. Like I would have to wake up in the middle of the night and eat in the, in the middle of the night. And I, and I mean, I talked about this on the show. Like I was like in it, but I was like joking about it. like, oh, I eat things during the night, eat in the middle of the night. I know I'm not alone here. Like I used to do that. And I, it was getting to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm never, when is this going to stop? This isn't healthy to wake up in the middle of the night eating. And so, um, but it's a hard cycle to break because it's when you binge, brutal. you want to starve yourself, but then starving leads to another binge. And right. or over exercising leads to another binge. So what you have to do is start like eating. I mean, how I've I found like you know serenity in this realm of my life through a lot of different things. But generally, the biggest boon to my recovery from having an eating disorder and having disordered eating, which I'm not out of the woods. I'm still very weird with food, but mm-hmm. I've I I um I just eat breakfast. <laughs> Like I fucking wake up and I try to eat three meals a day right. and hit all the food groups and not try to do anything sneaky where I'm starving myself or I'm like, and if you just, I've, I was always so scared of eating enough because I was scared that I was still binge if I ate enough. Like I would like, oh, you don't understand. I can't eat normal meals because on top of that, I'll also binge. Well, yeah. maybe you were binging because you were fucking not eating enough. Like right, your yeah, body was physically fucking starving. But then there's another side of it. Like, I don't think I'm, I can be, I'm a binger for sure. And I can eat insane amounts of food. Like people don't understand. I mean, I was bulimic for a while because right. it was like so bad. And now it's been 10 years since I've like purged, but I've definitely been like exercise bulimic where I'd like work out a ton to burn it off or, and I generally I just starve the next day. It was just like a miserable existence. But 
on the, there is a whole thing of like being a food addict where you might look at what you are eating and decide that like you have to literally never eat certain foods again because they trigger something in your brain that makes you, you can't stop. You're right. That's the way some people are with alcohol. Correct. It's, it's just an addiction. It's like saying I'm an alcoholic. Well, I'll just have one beer and then put it away. That's it. You can't do that. Yes. Whereas we might be able to do that with beer, you and I, and like have a couple here and there, even though I don't do that because I don't want to play even with, I don't play with fire in that way. Cause I, m- I might have that with alcohol because I tend to do light to get blackout drunk. Right. Um, but with there's certain foods, I don't, I, I don't really have those foods in my life or I haven't like found them. Cause it takes a while to figure out what foods you may avoid, but there's, there are people out there that literally don't eat sugar birthday parties. They don't eat cake. They don't eat white flour. They like, they literally go throughout their lives and it brings them peace again to put away this thing that is so socially accepted. Right. And you feel like a big old weirdo when you turn down a birthday cake or you turn down ice cream or you turn down candy or treats. Right. But, um, sometimes you might have a thing where it's like, that's going to fuck up your world. And so you have to put your foot down about it. But I I, like, I, I think it's just important to talk about these things because I think so many people out there, like when I see someone who is obese, I look, I see, and I know it's not in every case because there's certain scenarios where people eat normally and they still can't control their weight. And it's like, it's not about overeating. But most of the time when I see someone who is very overweight, I'm like, that's someone with an addiction that you can just see yeah. like that with a terrible, a deadly addiction that they are having to walk around with. Like, cause people can get away with having like, you know, meth addictions you can you normally see, even though you can't always. Right. There are people like, you know, who have pill addictions and they oh. die. They, they die cause they combine a wrong amount of pills yeah. and you, you, and they die from it and you would have never known because oh, it was, yeah. a, but when you, when I see someone who's obese, I'm like, that's that's not just be like that's that's someone who's in a lot of pain and 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 using food as a drug to like numb themselves and it You're breaks right. my heart because sure. I've done that I've I've used starve starving can also be used that way like I get high when I starve like it makes takes it makes me feel in control and about my life and 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 it's all I can think about like it that's the problem addiction is like is something that you have that it's all you can think about and it starts to make your life a living hell. I'm learning about addiction now because I'm reading that book that Joe Rogan recommended called Irresistible right. about our phones. We all have fucking phone addictions. Yeah, it's bad. Do you? I just saw my little, I do my average hours yeah. uh, a day and last week it was 5.1 hours a day. That's not bad. Is that be, good? I'm not, I, it's not good by any okay, means. Okay, I not thought good, that was pretty awful. But I think mine Five is Five like, hours a day? I'm asleep for eight hours a day. So <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Like- that's damn near half my day. Or, 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 I just like, got my report and it said I was down like 7% and I was so fucking excited. Where did it say it? God, I want to yeah, find it. Uh, I, I was so psyched when it told me because I was like, yes, I dropped by 7%. And it was probably because I took a nap. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was probably just, you know, uh, but I really, I've started blocking people on, Inst- not blocking, but muting a ton of people on Instagram that are making me feel like obsessed and like, what is she up to? What's her career doing? Like, I just- if you blo- if you mute people that upset you and their career and their success threaten you and make you feel insecure, yeah, which is so embarrassing to admit, and it's totally your problem. It's not no, theirs, it's not. but everyone struggles with it. Just mute them. Yeah. And I know. And if and if you want to go look at what they're doing, you can just look them up. But I swear to God, once you mute someone, you like forget they exist. Yeah, it's beautiful. I oh yeah. I literally thought some people like they. There's just used to be this one girl on Twitter that would trigger me so much. Like, she was just too beautiful. She was too successful. She was too funny all the time. And one day I muted her because she did something that pissed me off. 
And then years went by and I never encountered her name at all in those years. Like she never bothered me at all. And someone brought up and I was like, I haven't thought about her in years. And I used to think about her hourly. Right. Such freedom. You can have freedom from these things. Yeah. You you just scrub the negative, the negativity out of it. That's just eliminated. That's all the mute is. (sighs) It's so good. Which is, I don't even do, I mean, this is terrible as, as, as a comedian. I fucking hate it. I hate social. I don't even do it. Like I don't even post anymore. That's good. It's not. It's not Nikki because well, you'll get to a point where you, you do will have to be a point it. like that's just the world you live in. If you want to be a comedian, you need to partake in social media. Well, you can at, put- at my level at least. Like I if know. you hit a point, maybe you can back off. No, you but- really can't. You can't. But what you can do is you don't need to consume it. You can just put it out there. And you can literally, there, you know, there, Taylor Swift follows zero people. Right. You know, she's just putting stuff out. I mean, she definitely has a private account where she's checking out the, the competition. Right. I, I definitely think so. But right. you can definitely, ha- you can, you can put out stuff because you're, you're, you can put out stuff. You do like, you used to do hilarious shit. I did. Videos I with did, your dog. It, it was kind of in, in the form of what you just said of, I would then just start gazing at other things mm-hmm. and I would get annoyed, especially politicals because I'm very uh, the political world, I'm very passionate mm-hmm. in that world of how upset it makes me. And then there's always something in that world that yeah. will set you off. And that's another thing, which I was actually talking to your dad about. Like I watch, I watch too much news. You've got like to get away informed. from that. It's killing us. It, it is. It's, it's killing us. It is. And I get angry and I'm already an angry guy by nature. Unless like you're running for office anytime soon, stop watching that. You don't need to be informed. You already know yeah. how you're going to vote. Unless right. you're like really working on trying to convince your parents, like getting the talking points to convince someone in your life to vote the way that you think that they should vote. Like, yeah. what do you, you don't need to be this informed. What do you need to? Yeah, you're right. When you, when you break it down, what is this for? I'm just what watching Chris to... Cuomo to get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love, I love him. I think yeah, he's the greatest guy in the world. I think Chris Cuomo is the man. I don't know I much about him. him. He's hot. He's so fucking hot. He's 50. He's built. He's everything I want to be. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm 40 fat fucking. Overeating. You said the other night on stage. Oh, it's just a bit. Yeah. That you were, you were like, I just turned. What did you just I say? I just go. I go. I just turned fifty. Like, it's just a parlor trick. There's I know. And then, and then you go. And then you yell at them because they they right. accepted that no one no one protested. Right, but which they're not going to. That's why it's a trick. It's yes. just a cheap trick. So it, it's too it's, old. You you. I th- there's no way. No one's gonna believe you're fifty years old, Sean. It's just not. Uh, no, but the line if the line gets a good laugh. That's like the only thing I got a laugh on the other night. Was yeah, that, I thought. So. No, no, that is a good line. No, you. I'm, you I'm just saying. Actually, I turned forty. You guys as a group are just like, no, I can buy that. I can see that. Yeah, you know, there's a cheap fits there. <laughs> you know, no, you can maybe fifty four, but take it easy. You know, so, just fucking nonsense. Because all my actors just saw this long drawn out. But yeah, no, you're, the new shit is just like, you're probably onto something in the sense that, yeah, it is just toxic for your head to just see all this fucking bickering. And then it's just like, nobody's gonna, nobody's changing their mind. Like, that's why I think it's funny. They're right now, they're trying to say like, to any undecided, who the fuck is undecided right now? I know. Anyone, nobody is, I, I what, right? How, what are you possibly waiting let's for? Let's just by vote, let's all just vote now. It's like, like no one's gonna change their mind. Although I will say that watching the DNC the other night made me extremely excited about Joe Biden in a yes. way that I was not before. Cause I was kind of like reluctantly like, okay, I guess Biden. And now I'm like, oh my God, we have been so devoid of someone with empathy and like a soul right. in the White House. Like he, just the mere fact that he calls his grandchildren every single day, all of his grandkids, right. he calls them every day. And yeah. he's been the vice president. He was the vice president for eight years and like is a very busy man. It says something to me about his character. Of course. I, I'm like, I'm so, I was so touched by the, his, his speech and everyone else's speeches like uh, the other night, the one night I watched it. So I felt a renewed sense of hope. Yeah. That I, I'm glad I watched that, but I feel like we need more of that. that we need, yeah, yeah. We yeah, need more positivity. Need. I think we miss Ellen. We need her back. What do you think of all that shit? <laughs> you, think, you think she's evil? Is they're saying, or is that all um, bullshit? I, I think she's Ellen. probably 
not that nice, but like, I don't think she should be canceled for not being nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like everyone make their own judgment call on whether or not you want to enjoy her after you know who she truly is. But I don't think she deserves to lose a show for being like revealed as being kind of a, like an unpleasant person. Although the story about her calling the restaurant and telling the restaurant to fire a waitress because the waitress had chipped nail polish, which is a true story, what? is so telling of a person and so disturbing. That alone, I was like, I can't, I, I don't know if I'll ever see her the same way. Although Ellen is one of my favorite comedians of all time. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably, I hope she just gets honest about it. And is like, yeah, I'm kind of not as nice as I've right. portrayed myself to that be. How refreshing of- would that be if she just got honest? That is the problem with these guys that get caught being gross and being like, just tell us you're gross. Tell us you've done these things. And we'll, tr- I just want to be able to trust my comedians. Right. I yeah. just want to, I just want everyone to be honest. And I know you can't be honest about ever if like you're, a, you know, people who are doing illegal things are criminals. So they're not going to be honest, but then I don't know. I just, I want, uh, if it turns out somehow that I've been inauthentic on stage and it's revealed that like something I've said is, is the opposite of my character. I, I would hope that you would stop listening to me because right. you've, I've lost your trust. Right. So that's what I've, I look for. And, and, and I'm just, but I've always kind of heard these things about Ellen and I've always enjoyed her even the, like, I, I don't like watch her show or anything, but I think her observations are still funny. And right. like, as long as she's not like talking about, you know, I don't know. I, I think I'll still enjoy watching the, the clips of her with kids and stuff. I think she's still yeah, genuine I in those mean, moments. I, I think it's like there's that whole like separate the art from the artist bullshit. But it's like I guess there's got to be a line somewhere because it would be kind of fucked up. If, like I still listen to Bill Cosby records. Uh, that would kind of bother some people, right? Uh, if I said that. Yeah, but I mean if he's not talking about like being a good person and just uh, some observation, I think like sociopaths can still make kind of quirky observations. Right, but I'm saying like if I still say I support Bill Cosby. Oh, if you support, comedy, that'd be comedy. weird. If you're like look, waiting, uh, anticipating his next album from fucking. If I was just saying I'm a writers, fan of just someone is. like that, would you be like, well, no, you don't. No, I wouldn't respect you because he's. I w- honestly, I would not respect you because right. he's not funny. <laughs> he yeah, never has. Not. I'd be like, you have I, I a, could... you have bad taste in comedy right. more so than like moralistically. Right. Yeah. But I, I never got the hype with him either. Yeah. But, um we gotta wrap it up sean o'brien thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today coming over to my parents house and hanging with my dad in the kitchen who was wearing your shirt i know he's (laughs) i mean i'm just happy he's wearing a shirt he's so often shirtless around the house i love your dad i wish he was my dad uh he is the best dad i had a really good moment with him the other night yeah um all right Uh, i'm gonna we're gonna go hang out with him thanks so much for joining us and uh see you tomorrow on the podcast guys thanks for listening squirt squirt jackpot this has been a comedy central podcast (laughs) 